Put up your hand if you remember what life was like in January when everyone celebrated leaving behind 2020 a year like no other. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly and today on The Detail I'm talking about the year of COVID 2021, another year like no other. And I'm marking the milestones through my sister Jodie, her husband Kevin and their youngest son Sai. They've experienced the pandemic here and in the US. So let's go back to January at their home in California's Bay Area. It just seemed like everything was going wrong. COVID was was bad. This morning, frontline healthcare workers in California pushed to a breaking point. And there was like no coordinated response. We were in lockdowns. So they will be a limited stay-at-home order, and it means that you'll essentially be on lockdown every night from 10 o'clock at night until 5 o'clock in the morning. There was no sense that anything was going to get any better anytime soon. And then there was disagreements about the right strategy not just across the country, even by county by county. So the, so the COVID thing seemed like a mess. Then we had uh, the election going on with Trump. But here's the story. It's COVID, COVID, COVID. You can't watch anything else. I went through it. Now they say I'm immune. I can feel, I feel so powerful. I'll walk into that audience. I'll walk in there. I'll kiss everyone in that audience. I'm the president and you're fake news. The states that seem to have the problem happen to be Democrat. The whole political atmosphere was really poisonous. Uh, Then we had wildfires. The skyline of San Francisco looking more like an image from Mars. There was smoke. And I looked outside and it looked like doomsday. We couldn't go outside. I'm a lifelong Californian and it makes me weep for what we've done to my poor state. We drove up, I remember, for a long weekend to see Harley up in Oregon. And to the north in Oregon, an unprecedented number of fires destroying some whole communities. And, you know, we, we basically drove eight hours and then had to stay in, you know, inside a house for a, a long weekend because it was dangerous to go out. Deaths have been confirmed in a number of states, and officials say that number will go up. It was depressing. Cy hadn't been going to school for like a year because... Being in lockdown, the kids were at home all the time. We were doing it online. So I had like a routine that I'd pretty much do every single day. I did that for like seven or eight months. But it was like, because of COVID, you kind of just did the same thing every day. We were like thinking about New Zealand, you know, just being totally normal. And we just sort of said to each other, why on earth are we still here? I I think Jody and I like made the decision over a glass of wine (laughs) between the two of us we're like yeah let's get out of here and then um we started thinking well what's it going to take to convince Cy? i wasn't really doing anything like all that exciting and i didn't know if there was going to be like a basketball season or anything like that so i was like well might as well like it's a really good opportunity and I knew I always wanted to live in New Zealand, and then I'd just be able to, like, see all of you guys. And so we started doing a lot of research in terms of, like, what school he would go to, and because he's a big basketball player, could he play basketball? And then tried in high school as a good basketball program, and the coach was, you know, open to it. We really got lucky in that we got in just before, like, the rest of the world started doing the same thing, so... Like, I had to apply for a special visa because, I, I, you know, I'm not a New Zealand citizen. And 
the people at the immigration department returned my emails. And then we, we got the MIQ space quickly. I think we were lucky. You know, we, had we waited a few more months, then we might not have been able to do it at all. The day that you left, do you remember anything about what was going on? I'm trying to get a picture of what it was like when you left and what it was like when you arrived here in New Zealand. We flew out on January 9th. Right. And so the takeover or the insurrection or whatever, the capital is January 6th, I think, if I'm right. And I remember texting my cousin um, who had left California and moved to um, Idaho. And she's like, you're getting out just in time. You know, we wish we could go with you. And it felt like we were escaping. They were lucky, all right. When they arrived here, New Zealand was basking in a summer of freedom, the whole country at alert level one. But in February, just as they got themselves settled at Ohopi Beach, this. Good evening. Cabinet has met this evening to make decisions on our response to three cases reported earlier today within a household in Auckland. Auckland moves to alert level three, the rest of the country level two. Then, just as we ease back... Earlier this afternoon, I was advised of a new case in the South Auckland community. And two more weeks of restrictions. But outside of Auckland, things were pretty normal. What were your expectations? Did you have any goals? I kind of just wanted to go and kind of be a part of the community that we were in. Like, I wasn't going and seeing it as a holiday so we could travel around and... It was more like I just wanted to go and and live kind of a normal (laughs) six months or nine months or whatever. Um, And, you know, the other thing that's just sort of personal, you know, we've got four kids size the last one. And we I think we dawned on us like this is basically the last, you know, last six months of sport games we're ever going to go to. You know, and I used to get quite bitter about spending my whole weekend going to soccer matches and all, all that. And this time we're like, okay. Anytime he's playing, doesn't matter if it's two hours away, we're going because it's our last chance. And that put at least me anyway in quite, I think, just a good frame of mind to just relax and and enjoy kind of daily life there. I just wanted to be on the beach the whole time and then we were five doors down from mum and dad. But I didn't have big big expectations of travelling or becoming a triathlete or anything like that. I just wanted to hang out and then try and finish this jolly book that I've been Um, writing for six years. And so in the context of, you know, how things developed COVID-wise in New Zealand, it has taken over our lives this year. The government's finally conceded bots are booking spots in MIQ for Kiwis desperate to get home. Locking Kiwis out and trapping Kiwis in. The Auckland Roadmap. This is what we're calling Roadmap Roulette. (laughs) Next question. When can you have friends over inside your home? Did you feel that way, you know, in small town New Zealand? Was it the same? Not at all. We, we found it so normal. It was like spookily normal. And of course, we didn't go at, at the end. We, we did a little, that little bit of lockdown, but not like Auckland. So I, conversely, you know, people, a lot of people there that I talked to didn't understand that in the US, we'd been in lockdown for a year and that we wore masks 
all the time, like inside, everywhere. If someone comes to your house, you've got a mask on. You know, everything was cancelled. Um, it, it was just, it was just totally normal. It was, it was crazy. And then my friends in the states couldn't believe it either. They were like, "What? Size at school?" And you just walk around, and no one wears masks. You know, they were just incredulous. So did you follow what was going on or did you not really feel a need to? I'm thinking about things like, you know, some of the milestones, some of the things that caused a lot of debate, like the vaccine rollout. It appears most of New Zealand will have to wait an extra few weeks for their COVID-19 vaccine as supply problems push the rollout back until the end of July. Yes, it's going to be in July. It looks like it's more likely to be late July. Well, July is July. Um, so it'll still be from July. Uh, in you know, plain language, that's a month's delay. I started to feel a little bit panicky towards the end because I kind of thought, if it gets here, it's just going to race through all of us and we're going to be flattened. I was more sort of worried for mum and dad. I mean, I know the official line was that um, the government was watching to see what happened in other countries and if there are any issues with uh, vaccinations. But and it wasn't actually that clear what was behind her policy. Do you guys know when you'll be getting vaccinated? No idea. No idea. It's, it, we'd like to know. Uh, you know, when it's likely to happen. Let us know, get get your act together. I agree. You know, because in the US they started off also with this kind of phased approach where it was going to be by age group and you had to make appointments. And then, you know, Biden got, you know, I think he's just like, nah, what we're just going to do is set up vaccination, you know, stations at, at sports stadiums. You roll up and you get it done. And then all of a sudden the vaccination rates went way up. And, and seeing that be effective in the U.S. and then not really understanding what was going on in New Zealand. It was just like no one really seemed to know. You, it, it felt like they were being complacent. And I'm not saying they were being complacent, but that's what it felt like. And so, we, I, yeah, I think by the summer we were, we were kind of worried. You know, could we, we weren't sure we could get vaccinated, you know, or when we could. So, yeah, it started to creep in a little bit after after kind of the initial honeymoon period, I guess. <laughs> How long did the honeymoon period last for? The honeymoon between me and Jody or between <laughs> us and New Zealand? That ship has sailed. <laughs> I'm quite intrigued about when doubts or negative little things start creeping in. When, when we had the, the lockdown, um, yeah, I think it was August, Delta has been called a game changer, and it is. It means we need to again go hard and early to stop the spread. New Zealand will move to alert level four from 11.59 p.m. tonight. And then, you know, for the first week or two, I was like watching the press conferences every day, and I was so impressed with the, you know, kind of the command of the facts that Jacinda had and just the, the science-based approach. And it's like, wow, they've got a, they've really got a process. And then you saw that the process actually wasn't wasn't going to work for Delta, right? Like, in the sense that they weren't... The elimination wasn't going to work. And the Prime Minister has admitted she may have taken too long to recognise that eliminating the Delta variant was impossible. That's when you're like, oh, there's no plan B. At that point, I was like, oh, New Zealand could quickly be in the situation that the US was in, which is, you know, you sort of don't have a way out. That then they started ramping up the vaccinations and it was clear they were going to go, go that way. But there was that kind of month period around September where it was like, 
uh, this could be a real problem. And uh, I started thinking, well, maybe we'd be better off back in back in the U.S. And we had already mm. planned to go back at that time anyway. When we did go into lockdown in, in August, what did you think about how New Zealanders handled it compared with, you know, how you dealt with it in California? I was pretty impressed, actually. Everyone took it really seriously. Um, they they had the people in our area, was a, which is in Ohupi Beach, which is only 2,000 people, and then over the hill, Whakatane, people had really good memories of the first lockdown. So they were almost kind of nostalgic, but it wasn't quite as good the second time, you know. Uh, but, yeah, people... Never is. <laughs> people, um, people really stuck to it, although I think when, with the grocery shopping, there were some people who weren't wearing masks, but then there was a lot of security guards, you know, enforcing the mask wearing and no I mean I think people t- took it really seriously especially since there hadn't been COVID in the area so a lot of people didn't even know what that was like to have COVID in your community. And also you know the fact that you kind of had the same rules uh, at least initially across the country and so it was it wasn't this kind of town by town or county by county difference. You would see maybe one person surfing which is pretty amazing because a lot of people can justify to themselves, oh, I'm fine out in the surf. And also there was police trolling up and down the beach, so they were calling people out on that sort of thing. And why do you think that is? Why do you think there is so much compliance in New Zealand? You know, this is this is something we talked about a lot because I think New Zealanders are actually very individualistic. Well, they want to rely on themselves, but also they're willing if, if they're bought into something, they really go along with it. You know, in the States, there's this rugged individualism, and that now has manifested itself as, don't tell me what to do. Whereas in New Zealand, it's, it's somehow got... I, I mean, I was telling my American friends, they all say, we're a team of five million. It's just kind of unbelievable, you know. Um, but I think it's because they've bought in to this whole thing of, of, of working together. And I don't know what if it's Jacinta or whether it's something in the New Zealand um, spirit. And I also think New Zealanders are very much group people. Like, you know, it was pointed out to us when we lived in London, when we first went on OE, that none of you Kiwis ever say I. You never say I. It's always we did this, we did that. And I think it's about the we. I, I wonder if it's because... You know, maybe the media landscape isn't quite as divisive in New Zealand as it is in the U.S., um, and so there's not kind of maybe as much disinformation, uh, not enough, not as many people saying, "Oh, the government doesn't know what they're doing." So it just seems to be a little more trust in kind of the the competence of the the government, at least in the kind of the health area. You know what's interesting now in New Zealand is. People are arguing now. There's so much divisiveness. We are the people of this land. We belong here. We belong in Auckland. We belong in our streets. We belong in our businesses. We belong in the places where we work. You know, these people that are protesting need to stop and think about others and what are they actually achieving by basically bullying and not looking after their neighbours. Seems like everyone's pretty angry at the moment, Tone. Everybody has a right to protest, you know. I'm not... So I'm not knocking that. But these protests in particular seem to be driven by, you know, misinformation, not facts. 
you end up arguing about everything. Cancel culture is extreme here. Yeah, it, I mean, it's been like that in the States since COVID started. No, way before that with Trump in charge. You know, there's a lot of anxiety and depression um, coming back and also a lot of anger with people who are extroverts. I can't do this, I can't do that, I haven't been able to do this. I wondered it, if, if it had dissipated over the time that you were away. No, I don't think it has. And it's even clinging to small things like if we meet in a group, do we wear masks inside? And if we do, there's no point in meeting as a group. And then some people are like, look, we're all vaccinated. Why, why are we doing this? And there'll be somebody else that says, well, I've got children, so I'm not going to put myself in that position. And then there's other people who are travelling to Europe. So they're, they're completely open now. They're willing to take the risks. When you look back on it now, I mean, because other things happened besides COVID, like the tsunami when you was you had to evacuate. <laughs> I know, it was crazy. I mean, at one stage, we said, you know, there's going to be a plague of toads soon. <laughs> and it was this whole thing of, in New Zealand, everything's on steroids, you know, like the weather's on steroids. When there was a storm, it felt like the water was, the water would be pounding and felt like it was coming over the roof. And then there'd be kiwis screaming behind us. <laughs> and then we'd do our twice a day swim and all of a sudden we were surrounded by five stingrays. And you know, the guy next door would be like, oh, don't worry about them. The orcas will come along and snap them all up. And we just sort of rolled our eyes. And sure enough, the next week, the orcas were by. <laughs> uh, we went to this open home, as you do on a Sunday afternoon, and we were sitting there and it was really hot. And all of a sudden, it started hailing golf ball. <laughs> Everything in New Zealand is 10 times the rest of the world. Yeah. Also, no, no one's seeming, no one's bothered by any of it. Like, it's no. like, oh, I wouldn't worry about the stingrays, mate. You know, the, the sharks will come and eat them. <laughs> and then there's a tsunami warning. And I drive down to your parents' house. I'm like, okay, you know, there's a tsunami coming. We have to leave. Oh, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. You know, we'll just go, we'll go up the hill in the back. Like, no. <laughs> you know, they go, they're like, well, just go to the next door neighbors up in their barbecue area. <laughs> the only thing that we did that impressed New Zealanders was we went for a swim every day in the ocean. And so when it was cold, you know, we'd be coming out of the ocean and, you know, people would walk by and give you a little nod. And the other thing, Kiwis have lots of hobbies, sewing and baking and embroidering and you know and then everyone's gardening too and it's like where we are around here everyone's garden looks exactly the same because they have a you know they had just have gardeners come and do the mow and blow the guys i was playing tennis with they were like yeah when i heard about the lockdown the first thing i did was race to you know to minor ten and buy as much stuff as i could so i'd have the equipment to do home projects for the next two months. I just went and got made sure I had enough beer and bread to last. But they were thinking of like, you know, I need to be able to build a wing on my house. So now when you look back on those last nine months, is it really punctuated by the COVID events or not? Not for me, it's not. I, I feel as though, like Sai said the other day, it's like a dream, but a good dream. It was just a great, great escape. I wish it could have lasted a bit a bit longer, but uh, yeah, no, the COVID does, doesn't really cloud the memories at all. 
it's more about what I really noticed a big difference between here and there is that, you know, size basketball, they're playing it, you know, for a real small team from a small town, they were playing at a really high level, but it, there was so much joy in their playing. Mm-hmm. Like they were never castigated for this move or that move. And, you know, in the bus there, they sang all the way there and all the way back. It was such a good experience to watch them. I, unfortunately, here I think that sports becomes one of the activities that you're going to put down on your resume so you can get into a college um, or university here. The biggest difference when we got there, because we kept on saying, so oh, you can invite kids around you know, for dinner, you can invite them around for school. And he said, everybody has jobs. That's the biggest thing that I see in all that time that the Kiwi kids take to do jobs the the kids here are building up their activities to apply for university so they miss out on having an after-school job or a weekend job I'm just wondering if you felt like COVID intruded on your lives here um, the same way as it did in California it kind of did actually but I wouldn't really say it was a bad thing too because we had COVID in New Zealand and I guess it was only like six weeks we were in lockdown. And I mean, I kind of just did the same thing. I just kind of got in a routine of working out. Just, I mean, I was right on the beach, so you couldn't really complain too much. And then just doing like schoolwork and stuff like that. It was a little isolating, but I mean, you're in like a beautiful spot. So I didn't mind it too much uh, just because it wasn't like super, super, super long. Yeah, I mean, some of the rules and stuff were kind of, like, a little political. Like, they didn't really make all that sense. Um, Such as? Like, I remember at school, like, teachers had to wear masks, but no one else was wearing masks. It was, like, it doesn't really make sense. Like, I don't think the teacher should have had to wear masks at all. It doesn't make sense to have some people wearing masks, like, 5% of the school and then the rest not. Now, let's give the last word to Kevin about one of his lasting memories of New Zealand, and it's nothing to do with COVID. I was just um, always impressed by the length of the line at the KFC. (laughs) 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 I was like, it doesn't matter, day or night, you know, (laughs) what day of the week, there was always a long line at the KFC. (laughs) We love our KFC. A great American export, I'm so proud. And if you want to know more about what life is like now for them in California, you can listen back to my podcast of the 24th of November. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. The detail is public interest journalism funded by NZ On Air and is a joint newsroom RNZ production. You can download us free to your mobile phone every day on any podcast platform. Alexia Russell and Jesse Chang produced this episode. Jeremy Ansel engineered it. And thanks to my sister Jodie and Kevin and Sai Coldiron. Kakite. Ka